You're listening to a Sin podcast. You can listen to this show live by tuning your radio to 90.7 or online at sin.org.au. Due to some confusing, boring legal stuff, Sin can't podcast any of the knee-slapping tracks that are played on air. To dance along with us in the studio, you'll need to listen live. Tune your radio dial to 90.7 or stream it online at sin.org.au. Kids should go to school. That's what we're committed to. I haven't flip-flopped. I said no originally, then I said yes, then I have said no, and I've stuck to it. I didn't need to do this. I've already done a lot of war for the election. The English fought a civil war over this matter, over this matter. Don't deal with the nuance of the Canberra bubble. I don't know what to do with it. We have so much money. What we want is more learning in schools and less activism in schools. Issues that perhaps may be controversial today, but 30 years from now, your children, your grandchildren are going to be thankful that you stood up for what it was right. Represent. 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 You're listening to Represent. Sin Media respectfully acknowledges their ancestors and elders, past, present and emerging. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and their ancestors of the lands and waters across Australia where our content reaches. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. You are back on Represent with Bridie, Mimi and myself, George. On Represent, we're here to discuss each issue that's pressing all Australians and young Australians specifically Today we'll be discussing all the issues going on within the Ukraine and Russia battle and also the convoy to Canberra that's taken up a lot of the news over the week. But first, coming up, we have a fantastic song by To Another called Someday, which is part of our Sweet 16 playlist, which is Sin's high rotation playlist of the week. If you like any of the music you hear during our show, go to sin.org.au where you can find all the songs we play today. Until the Sweet 16 playlist of the week, you are listening to Represent on Sin. That was Someday by Two Another. You're listening to Represent here on Sin with Mimi, George and Bridie, who are hosting this week's show. Today we have two points coming up today, two topics that have been in the news. We're going to be talking about the continuous involving conflict between Russia and Ukraine and also, also, also the convoy to Canberra protests. Um, so we'll start off with talking about the protests in Canberra, George. Did you want to start us off today? Yeah, so basically in the up to 10,000, apparently, um, there were large amounts of protests heading towards Parliament House in Canberra. Um, if you haven't been paying attention this week, it's kind of a situation of a lot of people rallying together to protest Numerous things. Um, and some are anti-vaxxers, some are anti-mandate, some are just a pro-freedom and want our democracies to be strengthened um, and they believe through these mandates they haven't been. Um, so basically we're, it started off from a few Facebook groups that kind of made their way through mobilising on social media and then they kind of all integrated together from all around Australia and even internationally to an extent to yeah, protest the things that I mentioned before. Um, we've seen videos of speeches and large 
songs and vigils being um, undertaken over the past week. Um, but basically, it's important to note that with these protests, wherever you stand on the issue is that these aren't all just anti-vaxxers and QAnon or conspiracy theorists. There is an element of them who are just anti-mandate and I guess want there to be the freedom of choice of people who have kind of lost their jobs over time. On the other hand, there are a lot of people in Canberra who are actually very annoyed with the situation that's going on because then there's also been sightings of some of the protesters who have been, I guess, acting in a pretty negative way with allegations of um, abusing people who are wearing masks and just causing riots in the streets a little bit. Um, so there's there's a lot to both sides of the stories. And I guess it's just a, sh a sign of the times. There's been protests going on for, you know, basically the last two years as COVID has gone on, um, whether it be protesting the fact that COVID isn't a thing at all or protesting the vaccines in general. Um, so... In essence, this is kind of the melting pot of all these kind of different problems that, you know, a small proportion of Australians are confronting. Um, all those protests have intertwined to this one big protest. Uh, it, it definitely takes on a stride from some of the other protests we've seen internationally, uh, especially the truckers in Canada who has basically blocked off parts of Canada with their trucks. They've lost their jobs and they kind of... They're not going to let go until they kind of get their jobs back. However, that kind of works. I'm not quite sure the logistics of that um, and how successful that will be. But it's just a sign of the times of how this isn't just an issue that people are confronting in Australia. Um, vaccines and COVID and the modern world is essentially being protested um, internationally. Now, I'll throw it to you guys to start us off. Um, the One of the biggest problems or one of the things that they're protesting most about um, in this in this protest is the mandates. Um, obviously, a lot of these people have probably lost their jobs over over the last year because of they haven't they haven't got the COVID vaccine. Do you think mandates are counter-effective, or do you think they're essential in our everyday living? Maybe I'll throw it to you. Um, I first want to start off. By kind of asking a question back which I know is kind of annoying but like what I don't kind of understand and maybe we can understand together is like if you are okay with getting the vaccine and you're like more and more than happy to go get it why do mandates bother you like you've already got the vaccine like I guess like do you know what I mean like it's kind of like oh I'm happy to get the vaccine but I don't want to there to be mandates well why does it bother you if you've gotten the vaccine it's kind of gives me devil's advocate vibes like why are you like fighting for something that like is kind of already going your way yeah so you know what i mean the it's understandable but i guess there are a few elements to it um the two i can think of off the top of my head is one um community transmission um so while the vaccine does to an extent prevent um transmission it's by you not being vaccinated, you have the possibility to transmit it to others and people who are vaccinated, um, they can still transmit it. Um, so it's kind of just protecting certain groups in society. And on top of that, it's the burdening of the hospitals, um, which is probably the main thing 
as to why um, mandates are put in place in the first place. Because if we were in a situation where, say, only 60% or 50% of the population was vaccinated, um, we'd be in a pretty dire situation um, in terms of hospitals. Like, for instance, on the day of recording today, there were a few more restrictions eased, including dance floors being opened. Um, and that was only off the basis that hospitalizations have are the lowest that they've been all year. Bridie, did you have something to add to that? Yeah, look, I mean, there are countries in Europe that are only 50 or 60% vaccinated. I think Germany is around there, sort of 50, 60. And they've had this massive peak over their winter with the Omicron variant. And, you know, their hospitals have been pushed essentially to the brink. So I think that um, having the mandates in place here probably prevented that over our summer of Omicron. Um, that as crazy as it did end up getting. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah. No, I definitely agree with mandates. I'm also saying what I don't understand is like the people who have gotten vaccinated and why they don't agree with mandates. Like, because yeah, they both, I get do you get what I mean? I wasn't saying that I don't, yeah, <laughs> I definitely agree with mandates. No, 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 like I get it. <laughs> I was saying what I don't understand is people who already have been vaccinated, why they still are pushing against not having mandates when they've already been vaccinated. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you I mean. I think a lot of the sentiment on that is um, while they were, while they have been vaccinated, they're kind of coming from the position of they probably begrudgingly got the vaccine, but they had they got it to keep their jobs. Um, yeah. It's more of a, in their minds, um, it's playing the role of strengthening like democracy and strengthening freedom, which is something we should all, you know, we should all want freedom in a democracy. Um where their values are in the situation might be different to you know someone else who wants who's pro democracy um but yeah a lot of that's just triggered with the fact they don't want people to have to you know have a medical injection put into them um regardless of the situation it's more just a general view of what freedom is and what you mm. know freedom of choice and these things are i think i think it's a definitely like an important point i think i was reading like yeah, I was listening to the um, ABC Daily News thing that you recommended, George, and the independent researcher that they had on, Kaz Ross, says that, like, like why should we care about, like, the protests? If we're, like, for mandates, vaccines, whatever, like, why should we kind of even bother listening to it? But I think, like, what she said is that, like, there are genuine grievances and there's, like, concern about freedom. And, like, as you said, like, living in a democracy, like, freedom is obviously important. Yeah, I think obviously, like, yes, we want to be free and all that. But, I mean, thinking of, like, in schools where kids might be vulnerable, they might have vulnerable parents or the teachers might be, like, it's just more reassuring to know that everyone that's working there is vaccinated and you know there's not such a risk of like transmission yeah george yeah and to add to that um a lot of the say i'd say like on the left wing there are people on the left who actually support who well sorry who are against the mandates and would actually be at these rallies um the thing i question about like that crowd of people is because they're supporting the workers and you know the truckers in canada um there's there's also the workers of you know nurses and doctors and surgeons who are in hospitals 
is the same support, is the same advocacy going towards them, their workers as well. It's just, what, what can you choose one thing and not the other in, in the sense of when you're trying to support the greater good of all people and all people's freedoms and all people's democracies, when you're kind of choosing and selecting which side you want to go on. That's just a little rant that um, I think there's a bit of hypocrisy probably in both sides, but um, it's just something that I think needs to be outlined. That being said, um, we could discuss the ins and outs of mandates and I guess all things related to COVID for a long time, but we will move on um, into some probably even worse news over the weekend um, about the Russia and Ukraine situation. But first, we will leave you off for another great song by Methyl Ethel featuring Stella Donnelly called Proof. You're listening to Represent on Sin. That was Proof by Methyl Ethel featuring Stella Donnelly. You're listening to Represent here on Sin with George, Mimi and Bridie. So now we're going to talk about the um, impending conflict or not conflict, depending on who you talk to, um, between Russia and Ukraine. So there's been a massive buildup of Russia's troops on Ukraine's border for the past few weeks or possibly a month. Um, But that's kind of that's not the first conflict that's been between Russia and Ukraine. So obviously during the Soviet Union, Ukraine was a part of Russia. And so basically what happened sort of 10, 15 years ago is that Russia kind of indicated they had a political shift within the country um, where they started to be more inclined towards the West as opposed to Russia. So they wanted to join NATO, which is the North Atlantic Treaty organization (laughs) i always struggle to remember that um the acronym so ukraine started to be more inclined to joining nato and nato was established in i want to say the 60s to combat the rise of the ussr and basically form a block with the west that was as strong as or ideally stronger when they that was the goal um so when ukraine started to Um, indicate that they wanted to join NATO, Russia kind of freaked out in, you know, to simplify it, they just really didn't want NATO to be all the way up to their Western border. That really freaked Putin out with regards to his national security. So he launched an an annexation of Crimea and a couple of Eastern Ukrainian regions called Donetsk and Luhansk. Um, And so effectively there's been territorial disputes within Ukraine for the last, since 2014 and 2015, which has prevented Ukraine from joining NATO because one of the key aspects you have to have to join NATO is that you can't have any territorial disputes. So the fact that Russia was saying, we want this part, we own this part of your land, and Ukraine's saying, no, you don't. Um, that means that if Ukraine was to join NATO, all the NATO countries, you know, France, the UK, the US, they'd all end up in a war with Russia effectively, which they really is not a position they want to be in. And so lately Russia's been building up their troops on all across Ukraine's border in Poland, in Belarus and in Russia itself, obviously. And just today Putin was saying that they've withdrawn some troops and this was accompanied by a video of some tanks leaving Crimea um but the us is combating that and saying no you're not we've actually seen an increase of 7000 troops on the ukrainian border today so that's all for my little intro george what are your thoughts on the conflict so far or you know kind of very stalled conflict yeah well it's see 
the thing with all kind of tensions over the 21st century, I'd, I'd suggest is compared to the 20th century, all wars are for, there's so much political baggage thrown in, in the sense where there's, you know, there's this security council, there's NATO, there's sanctions. There's so many things that prevent a war and diplomacy, whether you like it or not, politics and diplomacy in my eyes is working better than it ever has in history um, to the extent where a war like this could have broken out, you know, last century. But this century, um, we're kind of as bad as it seems to like, you know, if you watch mainstream media all the time or whatever media you listen to, generally a lot of it's fear-mongering and whatnot. We're actually in a pretty safe stage in the sense where these combats, because of globalization as well, these combats aren't accelerated. So instead of these wars, we've also got to include the economic factors that would be introduced if, you know, Russia was sanctioned or if, you know, tensions increase specifically i'd suggest like the eu to not want to sanction russia as well because of the natural resources that they have going into europe especially germany um so what that does in essence is russia don't get sanctioned as much um because economically speaking if russia gets sanctions and they can't you know sell and trade their oil or gas to the likes of germany then they have to go buy either nationally or internationally through like America. And the prices of those natural resources go way up than what Russia are offering, or they go through the Middle East. But either way, they both go up a lot. So that prevents any sanctions from actually happening. And then there's other political um, discussions that have to be made instead of that. So for instance, um, Emmanuel Macron has been a pretty big player in de-escalating the situation in Ukraine and Russia. Um, the, the biggest, in my eyes, the biggest problem that's occurring right now, the thing that's keeping tensions high is, as you said before, Bridie, is, is NATO. Um, obviously, geographically speaking, um, Russia do not want NATO um, on their doorstep. And they definitely don't want it in Ukraine because, you know, to Putin, he's been quoted as saying that he sees Ukraine as Russia. Ukraine is a subject of Russia. Um, so the, that's the last thing you can imagine that they want when it was basically built off the anti, you know, USSR, anti-Russia sentiment. So there's a lot to pack, um, delve into there, but yeah, it's just, there's a lot of politics involved and it's not really as straightforward as, you know, there's going to be a war today or whatnot. Brady, did you have something to add to that? Yeah, I think it's also quite interesting to think about like the context of Russia's actions sort of not just lately, but in sort of the years preceding this. So there were the colour revolutions in the late 2000s, I want to say, um, with the rose and orange revolutions. Um, and Russia actually did exactly what it did to Crimea in 2014, which was just walk in and annex it. So what happened was like literally unmarked soldiers. They called them the little green men, <laughs> which is so fun. Um walked into Crimea and basically took it over because it's quite like sparsely populated and everything. But they did it, I think it was in Georgia, but don't quote me on that. Um, but they did it in Georgia as well and annexed like just an area that they were like, yeah, this is Russian. And so I think it's quite interesting to think about, you know, if they're doing it to Ukraine now, who's to say they're not going to do it another time 
in the future. Yeah, George. Yeah, I'd just add to that. Like, the situation in Crimea especially is – um. I think it's a little bit misunderstood um, in our society because Crimea, in essence, the the people who are in Crimea, they see themselves as Russians. Um, there's kind of a divide yeah, within West Ukraine and Eastern Ukraine. Um, obviously, like the you know the northwest part of Ukraine, they're very pro EU. They want to be part of NATO. Whereas you know the people in Crimea, they they speak Russian. They they're very intertwined with Russian mm. culture. There's a lot of ethnic division. Exactly. There's a lot of cultural, ethnic, everything towards it. One of the other ways that has that could escalate the situation itself was if Crimea in itself and that area of Ukraine was striked on by Ukrainians in, in the name of, you know, in the name of war through this invasion. If Putin sees Crimea as part of Russia, then any attack on Crimea is an attack on Russia in his eyes. So if there's going to be an escalation there, that's a very likely and a pretty scary proposition of how tensions could increase, I think. Yeah, definitely. I would agree with that. Um, Yeah, he's kind of any kind of pretext I think that he could find. I think so far with the amount of international attention that's been on it, you know, Boris Johnson, Joe Biden, um, People, you know, all across the world, world leaders, like from Japan to America to, you know, France, um, they've all been so involved and so really focused on it. I think that makes it a bit harder for Putin, whereas if it was, you know, if there was less global awareness, I think it would definitely be easier to sort of um, ignore and for Putin to just start, like, go in just like annex parts of Ukraine or all of Ukraine. Yeah. Who knows? And that, that ties yeah. back to those economic incentives of other nations. Mm. Um, you know, like as much as like, it's such a complex situation because yes, like as much as, you know, um, Germany want to, you know, call out Russia and however much, you know, UK want to call out Russia, they're always going to be prevented a little bit by the economic ties that they have to Russia. Totally. Um, and at the same time, you know, Russia can't just be dismissed as a small country. Obviously, like you know, they've got a they're part of the you know the main five in the in the in the Security Council in the Security Council. So they have a lot of the power no matter what, and especially if they get you know China as well, you know, including themselves. They're part of the Security Council as well, and you know, as we know, Russia and China are not necessarily friends, but they're they're friends through the basis of you know the enemy of my enemy is my friends. Um, so, yeah, sort of mutual, yeah, it's kind of that, like, shared yeah, ideology. Exactly. Not ideology. Yeah. But, you know, that's – it's going to be – there were supposed to be escalations today and yesterday, but it didn't exactly happen. Um, I guess we've got to wait for the next couple of days and even weeks to see how escalations will increase further in the future. So um, that was us reflecting on the current situation in Russia and Ukraine. We'll – yet to see what happens next um as we mentioned before there were those troops that were supposedly um taken from the russian border or the various borders surrounding russia um yeah we're we're yet to see what's going to happen there all i do know um is that coming up next you're going to be listening to a fantastic song called helen by seth cove you're listening to represent on sin That was Helen by Seth Cove. You're listening to Represent on Sin. 
So we thought before we'd finish that we would kind of have a little section where we just tell each other something that we want to talk about in the week. And Bridie told me that she has something that she would like to say. So Bridie, do you want to start off the little segment we've started? Sure. So I'm pretty unhappy with how Labor is just sacrificing all their principles to avoid political wedges at the moment. You know, with the religious discrimination bill, that's like really been on my mind. Yeah. Um, I don't think they should have voted for it. I think they should have just been like, no, this is a bad bill. Why can disabled people be told that their disability is a punishment from God, Mm -hmm. even if we pass our amendments? Like, that's terrible. Um, And I'm really irritated that they just gave up on all of their, you know, what they supposedly stand for. Yes, that's my little rant. I will lead off that variety and kind of condemn um i guess people oh you heard it here first (laughs) well exactly (laughs) um in terms of the labor government um or the labor party um and just yeah kind of how when after the previous election when it was kind of the moderates of the labor party including you know bill shorten um after they obviously saw that, you know, kind of taking a centrist stance on things when you're a left-leaning party, um, it's not exactly the route to success. It is pretty disheartening to see that they are going to, you know, some of these policies that, you know, they're kind of supporting in the name of not causing any more political divide with the upcoming election coming up. If you're not going to stand up for, you know, your core beliefs um, at such a time, Mm -hmm then when are you ever going to do it? Because, you know, Anthony Albanese, um, supposedly, you know, the party leader um, is supposedly the left wing of the Labor Party. Um, and it's kind of a bit of a backward steps um, with the Labor Party mm. recently. It's been very under A little bit, I'd say. It's not exactly the revolutionary Bernie Sanders-esque kind of party that some <laughs> may have imagined. Mimi, do you have anything of inspiration that you want to discuss with us? Or do you want to just talk about your current journey um, with COVID and maybe your birthday (laughs) coming up? (laughs) I would love to. um, I would, what would I first of all like to say? I'd first of all like to say that I agree with everything that has just been said. I don't really think exactly what you said. Like, I think we kind of thought that there would be some kind of like, exciting like no we're not gonna pass that but that didn't happen and that was really disappointing um more so referring to the religious discrimination bill that Brady was talking about um but um yeah what did you say about me having yeah I've COVID (laughs) it's pretty crazy how about you tell people about how you sat next to me for like a good entire day yeah and like just disgustingly just almost gave it to me for the second time (laughs) like just stopping so selfish i sat next to george all day like it was crazy i would say though george i reckon i had my mask on the whole time i was actually thinking about it because i was having a little worry i was like thinking to myself oh no I probably did get it to poor George but you know what then I had a thought and I was like actually I think we did have a mask on all day like quite literally mm-hmm. and that Woolworths mask 
she's sturdy. She wouldn't let a virus do that. <laughs> she would not. But um, yeah, yeah and then I'm also awesome. 20 tomorrow. That's crazy. Oh, it'll be today when this is. Yes, out. actually, it'll be today. So this is like my birthday voice and everything. This is fresh <laughs> 20 Mimi. Um. Big happy birthday to Mimi. We appreciate Yay, you birthday, and all your work. <laughs> I represent <laughs> an amazing day. Thanks, George. That's so okay. nice of you. <laughs> well, we'll wrap this whole love affair up right now. Um, <laughs> as per every week on Represent, we make sure that we discuss all the pressing issues just revolving around young people and we try and keep you up to date. So in line with that, um, I'd like to say for this week, we should all stay political. Stay political. <laughs> We're still saying that. You've been listening to a Sin Media podcast where young people run the show.